Today, our scripture reading will be from the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Amen. Amen. Yeah, this morning I'm excited to kick off a brand new series uh, for the month of November called Gratitude. It seems appropriate, right, as we head towards Thanksgiving to talk about such a thing. And to to kick off the series today, I want to talk about an idea uh, or a concept that's got everything to do with Thanksgiving. Not the holiday, but really the reason behind it. And we've all got stuff to be thankful for, don't we, right? I mean, UT won yesterday. How about that? I mean... Cowboys play the Browns today. I mean, I'm just saying it goes on and on. And, but I want to talk to you today about something that I believe affects all our relationships. And it's something I want to call, and here it is on the screen, the gratitude gap. Gratitude gap. The gratitude gap is an invisible space. It's the, it's the area, unseen area in a relationship that exists between two people after one does something good or nice or kind or even sacrificial for the other one. Uh, The gratitude gap isn't seen, but it's felt. You can't touch it, but you know it's there, and here's why. Because whenever you do something for someone, and there isn't acknowledgement, there isn't uh, acknowledgement of someone letting you know that what you did was seen, how does that feel? It doesn't feel good, does it? No, it doesn't. You're aware that now there's a gap, there's a distance between you and another person. And what is that gap? What does that distance feel like? It feels like the opposite of gratitude, doesn't it? It feels like ingratitude. That's not good. And here's what's interesting about the gratitude gap. One person in a relationship always knows when it's there. Now... The other person may not know it, but you know when it's there, or vice versa. You may not know it's there, but the other person knows it's there. Uh, and the, the other odd thing about it is this. Whenever someone accuses you of being ungrateful, what's your automatic response? You're thinking, no, 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 no. Uh, no, wait a minute. Not, I'm not. I, I feel grateful towards you and whatever it is you've done toward me or for me or with me. I feel grateful. I'm not ungrateful. I know what it is. I've seen it. I feel it. And we feel grateful. And we call that gratitude. But there's a massive disconnect here because there's a big difference between feeling grateful and expressing gratitude. There's a huge mile-wide canyon between feeling grateful in the silence on the inside and expressing gratitude towards another person on the outside. And here, here, here's why this is so important in a relationship. Because in that gap, in that middle space, in the area between two people, between feeling gratitude and expressing it lies the future of that relationship. 
just does. Because in that space, in that murky middle ground, the choice to move from just feeling grateful to expressing gratitude can and will change everything in a relationship. And you know this because you know the degree to which gratitude is not just felt at you, but actually expressed towards you will determine in many cases how much of you you're going to continue to bring to the relationship. How much you're going to continue to invest in a relationship. And so my goal this morning, among other things, is to help us all close the gap. Close the gap, shrink the gap. So from what is likely a familiar passage to many of us, I want to look at and unpack three things that live inside the gratitude gap. First, there's an issue that's there we're going to look at. Two, there's a question in the gap. And finally, there's an answer for it. And we'll get to that, but let's begin here. You guys ready? Here we go. Number one, there's an issue here. We'll begin in verse 11. Again, it says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. All right. And now here in this story, we're going to find something happening in that in-between area, in that gap between feeling grateful and actually expressing it. Because here in this story, we see Jesus traveling towards Jerusalem. Uh, Here he's near the end of his life, and he's on his way back to Jerusalem. And it says here that he stops in a border town between Samaria and Israel. This is a big deal here because in Samaria were, after all, Samaritans. And I believe the book of John says it like this. He says, uh, Jews do not have dealings with Samaritans. They didn't like each other. The Jews saw the Samaritans as ethnically inferior. They, they had this funny kind of offshoot religion. And the Jews hated the Samaritans because the Samaritans felt hated. Well, they hated right back. And isn't it amazing how times have changed? So Jesus is on his way, he's going through Samaria, he's in this border town, and here's what happens next, verse 12, it says, as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and leprosy, you may know, was a death sentence in all kind of ways, of course, it was a death sentence physically, your your skin began to turn color, sometimes even black, your nervous system began to fail, and yes, because your nervous system began to fail, you'd, you, you'd bump or break your, your fingers or your toes, and they'd become infected and sometimes fall off, it was, it was awful, uh, but leprosy wasn't just a death sentence physically, it was also a death sentence relationally, because you were forbidden from ever having really any other human contact besides that of your fellow lepers, you were ostracized culturally, uh, You weren't allowed to go into any city, let alone if you were a Jew, into the temple of the one true God to worship. And so Jesus meets who? These 10 men, these 10 lepers. And then it says they stood, what? At a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Well, why were they standing at a distance? Well, of course, because they couldn't come near. They weren't allowed to go near. And the, this story oh, is so full of pathos. It's so full of emotion. They call out. They yell out from a distance, Jesus, Master, oh, if you can hear us, have pity on us. What would Jesus do? Well, it's interesting. Many other healing stories. We see Jesus coming near, drawing near, coming up, touching them, laying his hands on them, but not here. What does Jesus do? Oh, well, 
It's kind of funny. He actually, he kind of yells back at them. It says, when he saw them, he said, and what would he have to do? He'd have to kind of yell, right? They're at a distance. He said, go, show yourselves to the priests. So Jesus yells. They turn around, go on their way. Now moving away from Jesus. Oh, what's going on here? Three things. First, something that we know. We know this. Whenever someone in that culture had an infectious skin disease like leprosy, they would have to, when and if they believed they were cleansed or healed, they would have to go show themselves to the priest. Sort of like the medical examination. You would go show yourself to the priest. He'd give you a clean bill of health to allow you to be reintegrated back into society. This is one way Jews in their day kept infectious diseases down. But there's a second thing here going on that actually we don't know because we don't know where this priest was. Where was this priest? Jesus doesn't say. Was it the priest in Jerusalem? If it was, if it was the high priest, this was at least a three-day walk, if not more, four or five, depending on how fast these leprous men could go. And if that was the case, well, then what kind of pity was this making leprous men walk three four five days in the desert what kind of pity was this but that's what jesus told him and third then there's something therefore that this shows the fact that they did commit to going to turning around and going all ten of them when it probably was toward jerusalem shows an enormous amount of faith in jesus word because what if they got there? What if they went all the way and nothing happened to them? Jesus says they would have to go. They would be healed on the way. How long would that take? They didn't know. But here they are going and going and going. And what if they went all the way right up to the door of the city or the priest and they weren't healed? Oh, they'd be outcasts again. Even more rejected. Oh, but this is amazing. It says they went and it says as they went, they were cleansed. They were cleansed. They were healed. And who knows how long this healing took. It could have taken days. It could have taken minutes or hours. It could have taken who knows how long. But they were healed. All ten, a mass group display of Jesus' healing and authority over the human body. And now, right here in this place, this is where the gratitude gap opens up. How many were healed? How many? You said, yeah, all 10. Now, what do you think all 10 of those men were feeling, huh? Do you think in that moment they were feeling bitterness toward Jesus? Frustration, anger, kind of like, you know, it's about time. Where have you been all my life? I deserved a better life. And No, no, no. What were they all feeling? They were feeling the same thing you would be feeling if you had been healed of an incurable disease. The same thing you'd be feeling if someone just gave you your life back. You'd be feeling gratitude. You'd be feeling grateful. All ten, you know, had to be feeling grateful. They were glad, happy. But what happened next? It says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Hmm. How many came back? 
one, right? Out of ten. And again, this could have taken him hours, if not a day or more, of walking around, wandering around to find Jesus. He was healed on his way. He had to come back and find him because, again, he wasn't healed immediately. So then he would have to leave his friends, leave his only social network, the last people he knew on the planet, delay going back to the priest, delay his going back into society, delay even his homecoming, potential rejoicing with friends and family at what had happened to him just to express gratitude. But he did it. He did it. And what kind of person was it? Verse 16 says he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Now, no matter who you are today, no matter how wildly successful that you are, and I hope you are, you have had, I have had someone at some level to do something to help you and me, to help us get where we are now. If you are successful at any level today, you know it's taken an enormous amount of commitment, faith, discipline, hard work, talent to get there. And it takes all that to make it, oh, but it takes more than just your talent and good work and, you know, hard work and all that. No, it takes someone else at some point investing in you. Sowing something into your life to help you move forward. And, and as a matter of fact, if you are the parent of a newborn, of a toddler, of a, a young infant, you, you know this, because you literally save your child's life like every day. You just do that, right? I can't tell you how many times I had to literally save my child's life from, you know, drowning in the whatever or running out into the street in front of the whatever or pulling the thing down on them or on top of their sibling or putting the thing in their mouth or their who knows where else. You know, just even to keep food going in the mouth shows that it takes someone to help you survive. And then it it hit me someday. If I'm doing this for them, Someone had to do it for me. Someone had to do it for me. No one makes it all on their own. We've all had help from someone at some point. Which brings us now finally to the issue at the end of this point. The issue, therefore, is not whether we've had help. Whether we've had some sort of investment, somebody doing something in our life to help us move forward in life or faith or business or career. And of course, when you think about it like that, you're probably saying, yeah, man, I'm, I'm kind of feeling a little bit grateful. Right? There's probably, you know, at least Ma and Pa somewhere back home on the ranch, you know, that they did something for me at some time. So the question isn't whether or not we're going to feel grateful because we all realize someone's helped us. The issue is whether or not we're going to express it. That's the issue. The issue is whether or not we're going to express it like the one or only feel it like the other nine. The other nine. Which brings me now to number two, the question. The question. People have asked me, and I've heard this all the time, Morgan, is it really important that I, you know, thank God for whatever he's given me? After all, it's him. He's got, what, I don't know, cattle on how many thousands of hills. I've just got me and my little house and, you know, in the suburbs somewhere. Does it really matter if I thank him and show him in some way that I'm aware and grateful for what he's done for me. I'll turn it back on you. What do you think today, church? Here's what I think. I think he knows. Matter of fact, I know he knows whether or not we thank him and we're expressing gratitude. And I know he knows because of this next verse. Look at verse 17. Jesus asked, were not 
all ten cleansed. And, and by the way, in case you don't think Jesus had a, a sense of humor, you can look no further than this verse. It's kind of like him saying, hey, wait a second, was, was my word not good enough? Did my, did my power run out on the way? You know, did someone unplug the Jesus machine? You know, not get you your, your healing grace to all ten? Did it run out? Only seven and a half healed. Bummer. I had no idea that was going to happen. No, we're... It's a bit of sarcasm here. It's a spiritual gift, apparently. We're not all ten cleansed. But he goes on and he says next, Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned except this one? Listen, this is a powerful question. This is a devastating question. Where are the other nine? Oh, this shows you that when someone does something for you, especially your heavenly father, there is something unfinished. There is something open-ended. There is something potentially relationship-altering with someone else or your heavenly father until you express gratitude. Unexpressed gratitude, therefore, is a debt. You and I owe that other person and our Heavenly Father that until we pay it, leaves a question in the other person's heart, which is this. Do I matter to you? Do I matter to you? Do you see what I've done? Do I matter to you? And I witnessed this firsthand this past week, like many of you did. Uh, last Monday on a little holiday, my friend Troy uh, calls Candy Collection Day. <laughs> on Candy Collection Day, you know, it's that day where all the little ballerinas and cowboys and football players go around to your front door and they knock on it and they sort of vaguely threaten you with something unless you give them candy, right? <laughs> there's that, you know, it's, it's kids and occasionally a teenager and occasionally there's that strange adult. <laughs> Couldn't wait to wear his costume. And you know that when you hand over that candy, you know, that if there, especially if there's another adult with that child on Candy Collection Day, that that adult feels this tension, this gap opening up. Because when you hand over that Snickers and that Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, which are like the gold star standard of, you know, of how, of, excuse me, Candy Collection treats. I almost said a cuss word in church, right, for some of you. <laughs> And by the way, can we all just agree to drop giving out the candy corn? No one wants the candy corn. Thank you. Yes. No one wants the candy corn. Especially us parents who raid our kids' candy after they go to bed. I'm sorry, kids. Where did that go? I don't know what happened to it. The candy fairy came. It's like the opposite of the tooth fairy. You know, the tooth fairy gives, candy fairy takes away, but... Or you go to a mall right on Christmas and your kid gets a candy cane and there's another adult there. What do they always say? Say what? What do you say? What do you say? Why? Because they know and you know and they know that you know that they know that there is a debt of gratitude. That little ballerina football player or whoever else owes you for the free candy they just got that's going to hang in the air until little Dora the Explorer. Or Captain America says what? Thank you. Thank you. Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Jesus asked. In other words, what do you say to the one who's healed you, loves you, done something for you? There's a gap there. There's a gap that opens up after someone does something for you. And if there's something unfinished, or incomplete until a child 
just says thank you for a piece of candy, how much more as adults should we fill in this gap with gratitude where it exists for what other people in our Heavenly Father have done for us? How much more should we? Yeah, we should. We should. So why don't we? Why don't we? We don't. For the same reason the other nine didn't. Because we think it's just enough to feel it. We think it's just enough to feel it. Which brings me to this thought. Unexpressed gratitude actually expresses ingratitude. The gratitude you feel but don't express is experienced by the other person as ingratitude. You say, really? Yeah. Look at Jesus here. How did he perceive, how did he feel a lack of expressed gratitude? He experienced it. He felt it as ingratitude. Son of God, perfect emotional, emotional state. Where are they? He asked, why didn't they come back? And do you know, it's even worse than that because when you experience a lack of expressed gratitude from someone, it feels worse than just unexpressed gratitude, right? Because after someone, if you go away from someone, you've done something, they don't thank you for it. They just walk away. You don't go home and say, well, honey, I'm feeling a bit down because of the unexpressed gratitude in my life. You, know, you don't go home and post on social media with a smile on your face down, with a red face or whatever that thing is, and <clears throat> feeling down from the unexpressed gratitude for my social network. You know, no. What do you feel? I don't know about you, but unexpressed gratitude, it feels like rejection to me. It feels like rejection. It feels like you pushing me away. It feels like you not wanting me. And I'll bet you feel it too from other people. See, unexpressed gratitude to that other person feels like rejection. Jesus felt it. Has only one return to thank me for what I've done? Oh, and here's why this is so tough. It's because our hearts, you know this, our hearts were made for acceptance. Our hearts, our lives, they move toward acceptance like water just flows downhill or, you know, my kids go after candy on candy collection day. It's just freely, effortlessly, unashamedly, our hearts go towards that. And by the way, I want you to know, since we're talking about it, that God loves you right where you are today, right in the middle of all your stuff with all your faults and your flaws and your messes and your problems and mine too. And all my stuff too. And and when you know this, here's what that does for us. It just makes us want to change. Makes us want to change. When my wife, when Carrie loves me unconditionally, makes me, you know, want to say what Jack Nicholson said in that movie, you know, know, make me want to be a better man. (laughs) Makes me want to change and be better for her. There's a little distinction here I want to bring out because, you know, excuse me, acceptance though, isn't the same thing as affirmation. It's not the same thing. Uh, if there's a behavior pattern in my life that's damaging Carrie, damaging our kids, even damaging myself, Carrie doesn't just say, oh, keep on going. That's real nice. She's like, no, I don't. She shouldn't. What you're doing is hurting me, hurting the kids, hurting you, and I affirm that your destruction of us is okay. No, she doesn't do that. And neither does God. God never affirms what his word calls sin. He doesn't do it because he knows what's best for you, right? The pinnacle of his creation. He never affirms sin in the name of acceptance, but he does and will and can accept you, receive you right now 
Because of Jesus. And that's why Paul writes, of course, in Romans later, that in view of God's mercy, in view of his acceptance of us, that we do what? Offer our lives and bodies, our bodies, our bodies, as living sacrifices. Because of how he loves us. We change. We change. God never affirms sin. By the way, you wouldn't want him to, right? In the same way, you wouldn't want someone affirming behaviors that are destructive in your own life. Right. All right. But God does want us to accept one another. That's why, again, Paul writes, accept one another. What's your point, Paul? I don't know. You weren't clear enough. Accept one another as Jesus has accepted you, he writes. And therefore, the primary way we can move people in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods towards experiencing God's love and transformational power is by expressing gratitude for who they are and what they've done for us. Even if it's something small, even if you got to pick up, you know, a big rock to look underneath. Man, I'm just thankful for that. Right. Let's do a little bit, a little bit of that right now. How about that? You know, I'm thankful for you, love. Thankful for you. You're so kind. You love me all the time. You see, you're my best friend. Supported me through thick uh, and lots of thin, shall we say, over the years. <laughs> I'm so grateful for Galen and John, our elders here in this church. They do so much to support me and you and lots of free labor here. Free, free work. I mean, our budget thanks you guys for it. Thank you very much. I know you do it because it's under the Lord. Their wives, Simone, Aaron Day, who's back at serving in children's ministry right now. I'm so grateful for Brett Milliken. Where is the guy? He's probably out serving somebody right now. I mean, Brett, I've worked with Brett for like more than a decade. He is so faithful, so loyal, so supportive. He and Melissa, they believe the best about everybody like no one I've ever seen, which is probably why they root for the University of Georgia weekend. We got, I'm just kidding, just kidding. I could not resist. I'm so sorry. I could not I'm so grateful for our staff. Our staff, listen, they love you, they support you, they give it their lives, not because they're out to make it big, but because they believe in our dream here together. I'm so grateful for our deacon team. They do so much tirelessly behind the scenes. I was talking with one who's serving in children's ministry. She's like, man, who made up this schedule? I'm like, I don't know. Who Could you send an email to somebody? They're doing so much. I'm thankful for people here. Carrie Peterson, are you here for a service? Where's Carrie? Someone sat here second service. She does so much with our singles. It's a volunteer. Y'all should come on Friday. So thankful for our folks in Kai Street, Leah and, and, and David and, and Jay and Sherry and people. Uh, Kristen Lafferty, are you Kristen or she does children's ministry? Does stuff at Live Oak. I'm thankful for Christina Gonzalez. Are you here, Christina, first service? I met her on Friday going into Live Oak. Been here two months. She's already a volunteer mentoring at, uh, at Live Oak. How amazing is that? And I'm so thankful for all of you here. Because of you, some people, I know this is crazy, some people actually think I'm somebody. Look at that. I get asked like almost weekly to coach some new church planner or church thing or pastor somewhere, especially if they're trying to lead a multi-ethnic church and somehow the word's out in the street that there's something kind of new or different or weird or whatever going on here and... They think I'm, they actually believe I'm going to have some answers for them. I think, boy, they were walking up the wrong tree, right? I just look at them and say, you just need some people who will love Jesus more than who they vote for. That's it. All you need. And they kind of look at me like, that's it? I'm like, 
You know, it's like I told him, you know, to, to avoid getting sunburned, stay out of the sun. You know, it just seems so obvious. Or to avoid getting ashy, you need some good lotion. Yeah, I know about that too. I know about that too. Thank you. So, I was nervous about that one, but it came off well. All right, I was, you know. Thank you. So, so thank you, Mosaic, for being amazing. Really, being amazing. Even, hear me, through this election cycle. Thank you for it. I know it's been hard. We're almost through it. All right. Yes, no matter what happens, Jesus' church is going to go on. And we're going to go on. And I'm so thankful for that. So we ought to. We ought to express gratitude for each other. Because if we don't, you know what can happen? Oh, If I don't express it, man, I can just ingratitude my spouse right out of the house. That can happen. I can ingratitude our employees right out of the office. And you say, well, I'm a boss. I pay them to do that work. Well, so what? So what? You pay them, but wouldn't it be nice, right, if you also thank them for helping you get to where you are? See, gratitude communicates you get that their contribution matters. Yeah, they work for you, but you wouldn't be where you are without them. And sure, yeah, you're an employee and you earn your paycheck, but you wouldn't be where you are without that job. Did you express some gratitude toward your employer? See, unexpressed gratitude feels like ingratitude, which communicates rejection, which pushes people away. But when we express it, we tell people, I accept you. This brings us together. So it's not enough to feel it. We've got to express it. Are we going to be, this is the question, are we going to be like the one or the nine? How then can we answer it? How can we, in the end, express gratitude toward God and others? I'd like to offer one way today. Number three. Today, and this is my favorite part, I've been looking forward to this all week. Today, we can express gratitude to God by showing some people in the city that we love them and they matter to us, even if we don't matter to them. So today, I'd like us to express our gratitude to God by giving, hear me, financially, financially, to something that on one hand has got nothing to do with us at Mosaic, nothing to do with our, our departments, our, our internal needs. And this, by the way, is such a biblical way to give. Jesus said, listen, if you only give to people who love you, if you can only give where you get a return or someone even says thank you, listen, that's how the pagans give. The people who don't know me give, right? We want to express gratitude differently. Here's how. Let me ask you, what if one time a year, Today, we could collectively pool our financial resources and give in a way that impacted an organization in our community in an unforgettable way. What if we gave to something outside the scope of our own church and ministry so generously, even it changed the course of that ministry or nonprofit? What if we raised so much money over time that we even did like better than the federal government? We started just creating jobs even because we gave so much money away to these nonprofits and organizations. What if we lived big? Today is what we call Live Big Sunday. We just live big and we give it away. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? 
sing? The answer is yes, thank you. Wouldn't that be fun? The answer is yes. Wouldn't that feel good? Yes. Wouldn't that put hope in your heart that God was doing something amazing in our city? Wouldn't you feel like you were living big and expressing gratitude? Because when you live big, you just give stuff away. So this morning, I want to ask you, invite you to do just that. I want you to express, consider expressing your gratitude to God or if you're not a Christian, for, you know, for whatever it is that you have in your life, by doing one thing on one time, on one day, today. Today, today I'd like us to raise, hear this, $25,000, for an organization, here it is, called Starry. Starry is, cares for foster children, actually foster children in the most difficult and traumatic and vulnerable situations. They provide counseling and adoptive services and care and refuge for the most vulnerable members of our city. They have unbelievable needs, these kids do, and we can make a huge difference in their lives and in this organization by showing up with a check for at least $25,000, because here's the thing, most nonprofits, they, if you didn't know, they work on shoestring budgets, they do great things because highly motivated, highly educated people, sometimes, many times, leave the corporate world, and they give their lives to causes like this, and by the way, when we show up, they're not going to know it's coming, it's going to be a total surprise, they don't know anything about this, and so, even though we can't do everything we want, for this group or every organization, we can give them, I hope, a day they won't forget. That they won't forget and make a permanent difference. So, and honestly, again, as you heard said earlier, if there's one reason I hope and I believe God grows this church, there's one reason why I'm grateful that he has grown this church. It's so that we grow to, to be able to give so much away and that we're able to show our city who Jesus is, who our Heavenly Father is, for God so loved the city, the world that He gave and His church cares and His church makes a difference when it's, the city's better because we're here. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. We've got mm, roughly 650 to 700 adults uh, on a Sunday at Mosaic. And if every adult here Gave, and here's the price today, only $39.95. Mm. $39.95. We could raise $25,000 in one day. And three years ago when we started this, if you were here, we asked for only 10000 We raised fifteen. Two years ago, we started at fifteen. We raised eighteen. Last year, we asked for twenty. We raised twenty-five, and so we'll start the opening bid at twenty-five thousand dollars and raise more and more. And we blow people away because they don't know this is coming. And some of you here, you may be able to give more than this. That's great. You should. Some of you are able to give a hundred, five hundred, a grand to be able to do this. Some of you can only give less. I mean, $40 is like groceries for a week, and that's okay too. There's no guilt here. If you could, you would. In the past, you have. the future, you will. But what I am asking you to do, yes, you, you in your seat, is play. Today, everybody plays. I'm not asking you, hear me? I'm not asking you to go home and pray about it. <laughs> this, is the, this is the no praying least spiritual ask you're ever going to hear. I'm just asking you to consider right here, right now, every person given $39.95. If you're here, but your spouse isn't, go ahead and give for them. They'll thank you for it, right? Some of you are saying, well, Morgan, you know, I've got this budget and, you know, WWDR, you know, what would Dave Ramsey do? And say this, 
I talked with Dave on the way in today. He said this is fine. He loves this. This is Dave Ramsey approved. All right. You can give him one of three ways here. You can give via text message right now. Go ahead and just round it up to 40. Round it up to 40. Makes it easier for us. I don't even know if we can take an odd number. It just sounds nice. So 40 bucks and live big to that number right now. I'm tech, you know, phones are opening up all over the room. No, uh, so you can text a message, the message, the, the money, the number right now, any number that you want. Number two, we'll also have several people with card readers in the lobby and on the, the way out today. This can go super fast. You just got to give your name and the amount to the person taking the card. Uh, there might be a short line, but that's okay. Don't take the line as a sign you shouldn't do it. No, a line you should do it. Matter of fact, if you've got your kids and they're fussy, this church is so amazing. Someone in line will actually offer to watch your child for you, right? Number three, you can, both of you here who carry cash or uh, checks uh, can give via the envelope in front of you or behind you on one of those seat backs. So that's what i like for you to do today. Even if you're a guest, even if you're someone's friend, even if you're a, a parent visiting or a cousin visiting or, you know, you're from upstate wherever or downstate wherever, if, if you give, hear me, you're not giving to a church. You're giving through a church. And for those of you, hear me, who are suspicious and you think, man, the church just wants my money. Today, you are correct. Today, you are right. I want as much money as we can possibly give. You're not giving to us. You're giving through us to this organization. I want as much as we can possibly give and fork over to make a collective impact on our city. And next year, I want to do it again. And the next year, do it again and again and again. And I want us to be known again, as you heard, not just for our theology, which is important, crucial, we take so seriously, but for our generosity. I don't want to be known for just what we're against, right? But what we're for. And here's what our promise is. Not one penny of this is going to stay here. Uh, There's no administrative fee, no overhead, no shipping, no handling, none of this, no tax, no... You say, I already gave. Great. I did too. You say, well, there are other needs out there. You're right. There are. This isn't about that. You say, well, gosh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm involved in this nonprofit or I run this nonprofit. I do too. (laughs) I run a nonprofit too. But this isn't about that. Isn't about that. You see, we've got needs internally. I know we've got needs internally. I look at them every day. This is about expressing gratitude to God in this way. And we're going to live large today. Live big today. When you live big, you just give it away. So when someone asks you, man, what did you do in church today? You can just say, I live big. I live big. We all gave small and it added up to something big. All right. So would you stand with me here as we close? Listen, think of the good. Think of the good we can do in our city. By doing this, a church that doesn't give expecting to get, but just wants to give. And I can't even tell you, I'm so excited about this next week. We're going to drop that check off, blow them away. You come back next week, we're going to give you an update and show you what happened. Sound good? Listen, there's no, there's no prayer. There's no band. This is my mic drop at the end. Ready? We're going to be done on three and you're going to go there for pick up your kids and live big. Ready? One, two, three. You're dismissed. Go for it. All right.